0: welcome to the staple piece today i'm talking with alejandra machin alejandra is a luxury lifestyle writer and contributor to purse blog a favorite online resource for designer handbag lovers out there we're chatting about her favorite handbags the staple pieces in her wardrobe and about all the luxurious things she gets to write about on a daily basis so stay tuned Alejandra is a writer for Purse Blog, and she's written several articles that have been very fascinating. And that's kind of why I wanted to interview you today. And in one of your articles, you talk about the minimalist approach to fashion, which I subscribe to. I love that. And you ask the question, is it no longer cool to look rich? So I guess my question for you is, do you mean flashy rich? Is it just not appropriate to, you know, walk down the street and have a Chanel bag and your Hermes belt on or whatever? Give us some insight onto your perspective on that.
1: I guess what I meant it. Yeah. I did kind of mean a little bit more flashy because mm-hmm. I mean, in all honesty, rich people go to rich people. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? So <laughs> I think what happens though is During times when there's economic uncertainty, I think people tend to go more, they kind of pull back on the conspicuous consumption. I think it's a little considered to be a little bit tacky, lack of a better word, you know, declassé to kind of, you know, go out on the street decked out head to toe in designer logo mania everywhere when, you know, we have this event that's affecting the whole world and, you know, it's completely derailed people and has really affected their livelihood. So for me, it was kind of about, is it no longer cool, at least in this moment to be outwardly flashy. So of course, people are still going to have those signifiers, but I think they're really just going to pull back and they're going to start wearing things that, you know, maybe don't have logos or, you know, they're going to kind of invest in other things that kind of show, you know, their station in life versus something with a giant Chanel logo or a Louis Vuitton logo kind of plastered all over them. And usually those things will come back. It happens. I think things they come and go just depending on the time we're living in. It depends. But right now when there's so much going on with COVID and people can't really use discretionary income or have discretionary income to kind of throw away on designer items that people that can still kind of afford to do it or do still have them, you kind of pull back a little it's kind of like when the pandemic yeah. first started and you know mm-hmm. no one was supposed to travel but then we had right. to see people what they call wealth porn you saw people still having yacht parties in the middle of the Mediterranean and stuff like that so <laughs> it's just kind of you know how you go about it I think people want to be a little bit more put a little more thought into how they present themselves at a time like this. Right. I totally agree with you. And I always circle back to the housewives for
0: some reason. I don't know if you watch that show, but I just started watching the housewives in Miami and there's one cast member in particular who shows her closet and she probably has, I'd say 10 or 15 Hermes Kelly and Hermes Birkin bags in her closet. And I just wonder, like, I always think to myself, yeah, that's great. That's lovely. And she probably will at some point be able to make money off of those, you know, because their value does, I assume go up, but is it appropriate? Like, do you need that bag in every single color? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it got me thinking because I, I was interviewing someone last week and she talks about investment pieces. One of the things she said is, you know, you should think of purchasing a handbag as you would like a stock because these, these items go up in value. And I just wanted to ask you, do you agree with that? And if so, what type of handbags are an investment if you can um, afford it?
1: Yes and no. So I think there are indeed bags that would be considered investment pieces. So yes, typically any bag made by Hermes, you know, anything that they're named, Grace's. (laughs) And then there's some vintage Chanel's and stuff like that. So they do sell, you know, resell these things on international auction houses like Sophie's is how you pronounce it mm-hmm. but you can find like you know rarefied goods that are handbags and stuff like that on like auction markets and things like that so the, there are definitely some especially with Chanel the way their prices keep going up but I know but it's I, insane I know it's <laughs> yeah but I think sometimes people are being a bit disingenuous with it and maybe mm-hmm. that's a little bit controversial to say as a purse lover and maybe it's Maybe it's just me, but I know a lot of people that might be trying to um, justify a purchase because they're like, "Oh, it's an investment piece, and you know it's going to hold its value, and when I resell it, and you know I'm going to get this much money for it." I'm like, "You're not going to resell it. That's not why. <laughs> You're not mm-hmm. buying it to re- to resell it in the future. You're buying it so you you know you can rock it, and then you know that you have it. I guess yes, you could resell it, but how many?" people are buying bags with the intention to resell it in the future. Right. No, that is a good point. And a lot of them, if they can afford it,
0: probably want to collect them, like you said, and hand them down maybe to their children or, you know, who knows, maybe it becomes sentimental to them. But you had yeah. mentioned to that you're a purse lover and I'm very interested yeah. and curious, how did you even get into writing about luxury bags and purses?
1: So it definitely wasn't linear and it's definitely not something I expected that I would end up doing. It is something I kind of fell into as cliche as that sounds. So going back a little bit many years ago, (laughs) after I graduated college, um, I got a degree in journalism. So I've always kind of been into writing. I ended up getting a job for a company. They're a retailer, like an urbanware retailer that operates in the Southeast. Mm -hmm. And a big pull that this retailer has is that They sell streetwear brands, but they also release the latest in like uh, sneakers, so like basketball shoes and like Nike stuff, Air Jordans. So there's a very large community of people that collect sneakers. So they call them sneakerheads. And so I actually worked for this company as a content creator. So I wrote all their blogs and I wrote the like the on-site product descriptions and things like that. So when it came to selling (laughs) these very kind of sought after shoes and needed to have a good description to kind of go with it a little bit of the history you know and while I was working here it was a job that I really enjoyed met a lot of great people and as much as I enjoyed the job and the work that I was doing I myself am not a sneakerhead (laughs) interesting I don't really wear sneakers unless I'm like actively exercising so despite that I still had to kind of learn the history of each edition of the sneaker. I had to understand how the community operates and the more I got into it, even though I wasn't a sneakerhead myself, I had a respect for people that had a passion for something enough that they became like avid collectors of it. They became, you know, aficionados of it. So there's even across the US and I think in some other countries there's whole conventions and annual gatherings that people have of just hundreds of thousands of people that come to show off their sneakers or trade or resell. So when I finally was done with that job, I still really was into that. Like I said, I had a respect for people that were, you know, loud and proud about whatever it is that they had a passion about. And myself personally, I have always been one of creature comforts. I've always been a little bit bougie, <laughs> you know, that's okay. But I always really enjoyed handbags out of anything else. Growing up, I always changed my handbag out every season. You know, they weren't designer when I was in high school and stuff like that. But my grandmother had a very large collection mm-hmm. of purses herself. And I, I lived with her. So we would kind of share, you know, and so I could always just swap out a purse, depending on the season, depending on the activity I was doing, you know, what what was most fitting for the moment. So I kind of would always just, you know, fantasize about it. Like, oh, one day it would be nice to have a designer purse and stuff like that. And even at this other job, you know, while I was at my desk, if I was, you know, during my downtime, if I was goofing around on the computer, I was probably looking at designer purses. (laughs) Or I remember I used to doodle little things that I would prefer, little purses and things like that in my notebook at my desk. So... During this period when I was between jobs, I, you know, just float around on the internet, do some of that like very dangerous mindless scrolling. (laughs) We all do. And I just really got into it. And I was like, you know, wow, I would really love to own a designer purse one day. And then, you know, once you get your first one, it's kind of like a little bit of an an addiction and it goes from there. I came across Purse Blog. Now, I didn't know about Purse Blog. I had also purse forum. So I had browsed around in the forums before. And like when I was researching about the bag that I would get if I had the money and stuff like that, like that's kind of where I would go for some, some insight, some information, maybe from people that already had one and stuff like that. And I don't know, something just possessed me to go down into their like little contact desk box. And to just send them a message. So at this point in time, I had left the other job so I could become a freelance writer. So I could kind of take control of my own schedule. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, it couldn't hurt. So I just kind of went down in their little contact us box and I typed out this little quick message. And I said something along the lines of, I'm not a writer, loves handbags. I'm a handbag lover who also happens to be a writer. Oh, I love, <laughs> so, love that. You know, I just kind of shot it off. I didn't really expect anything to come of it. Then one day I was at my kind of intermittent, my day job. That I had, <laughs> had like a part-time job to kind of keep myself going while I built up my freelancing stuff. And I happened to be the desk at that job. And I, I opened my phone and I realized I got a response and mm. I was just... So taken back. I was like, oh, <laughs> they actually read my message and they actually responded to me. And they were like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, do you have any writing samples and, you know, this, that, the other? Can we schedule a call to meet you? And I was like, oh, wow. And I ended up getting on a call with Vlad and Meg. So they're the the couple that runs First Blog. I ended up getting on like a video call with them and I met them and they're super nice. And they told me, they were like, yeah, the message you sent us, like, there was clarity, every, the grammar was correct, (laughs) you know, no spelling mistakes, (laughs) no spelling mistakes. So they were like, well, you know, we can go off that. So as my sample, so, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. I wrote my first article. Some people liked it, some people didn't, but you know, I kept going. And now it's been more than a year. And I'm kicking out an article on a weekly basis. Wow.
0: Well, I mean, I find your articles fascinating and that's how I found you because I think you're such a great writer. I should have you write my emails. But no, it's true. You know... I think you do go down a rabbit hole when you get into something like, you know, the handbag world. It's funny you mentioned sneakerheads. I live on Fairfax in Los Ah. Angeles and that's a big sneakerhead street, which I'm sure you know about. I live off Mm -hmm. of Fairfax, but there is something about collectors and the respect you have for them, you know, when they're so passionate about something. I remember when I got my first handbag, I was like, 10 years old or something. And I dragged my parents to, you know, like Belk or something. And I bought a Liz Claiborne. Do you remember Liz Claiborne? Like the little triangles. And I had the matching wallet. And I remember I was so excited. So I I totally feel you on that. But I was curious. So for somebody that, let's say, can't afford the $20,000 Hermes Kelly bag, what would you say is a great option for somebody that's still a gorgeous, you know, staple piece, since this podcast is called Staple Piece, that, you know, is maybe like a good $3,000 option, which I can't even believe I'm saying that. But I mean, that's how much handbags cost now. (laughs) What would you say in your opinion?
1: I think that there's kind of a few to choose from because I think right now, a lot of brands are kind of, they're making things that are similar. So I know, for example, that Valentino has made kind of a nice triangular shape structured tote with the top handle that's just the one that comes to mind right off the bat but there's tons of brands that are doing that are kind of going for that same shape you know if that's if that's the style you want if you want a very structured bag just a top handle bag kind of with a minimalist vibe Mm -hmm. so there's Valentino there's Tory Burch also has one Mm -hmm. if you want to go more like contemporary and even less than three thousand dollars as well but Toy Birch is very good, but I think there's a lot of options, yeah, which is nice dry. yeah,
0: that's <laughs> very nice. I actually I'm a big fan of Celine, and then I was like, you know, I have a Celine bag, but I want to get another crossbody, but that isn't as mm-hmm. expensive and I found an APC bag, which was very similar oh, yeah. to kind of the Celine crossbody, so yeah.
1: I yeah. have a bag. I have a bag that's quite controversial on first blog mm. and it was one of the first. Post that I wrote. I don't know if it was the first, it was one of the first few. And I just got vilified. I just got dragged in the comments. So I have a bag. It was actually my first designer bag, if you could call it that. Because, and I say that because it's not like a designer that's like known, very well known, but it is from an independent artisan, an independent fashion house. It's a bag that I got when I was on my honeymoon in Florence with my husband, there is a small store, like a workshop. It's called Paris Mm -hmm. and the family, the party family has been making handbags since I want to say the 1920s or thirties. And there's only one store and it's right near Ponte Vecchio, like in Florence Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's just this beautiful antique bridge and it's full of all these designer shops. And then their store is, right there and then they have a, an adjacent workshop and now this purse that i bought <laughs> it is in the style of an hermes kelly there's no denying it it's very much inspired by an hermes kelly obviously it is not hermes it's this brand but it has the same structure it's definitely it's got the same kind of the turn lock and the sangles on the front mm-hmm. and the top yeah. handle and it is made out of real material it's made out of a very thick awesome luscious feeling lizard skin and it's in turquoise blue and I love this purse to death and I wrote a post about it it was one of my first few posts and the comment section just had a field day they just went in on me it's a you know it's a fake Hermes and why are they letting her write about this why are they letting her promote fakes and stuff like that and so it's kind of controversial, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I do love this bag. But simply because it's inspired by Hermes, people kind of see it as a knockoff. And right. I still paid a pretty penny for this bag. I still paid about $1,600 for this bag. Yeah. But in my personal opinion, it's made of a very durable material real mm-hmm. leather, tan made, beautifully crafted. The color is custom made and there's also the it's called the clochette the little lock that kind of comes uh-huh. like on um, that kind of comes on a birkin and stuff like that it has one uh-huh. of those and at one point i lost it it fell off somehow <laughs> and they sent me another one completely for free so oh, wow. i still kind of stand this brand but yeah. i mean some people see it as a fake hermes i just see it as a a really well made beautiful piece that happens to be inspired by an hermes bag but yeah, i think they're others. brothers <laughs>
0: I think to each his own, you know, you wanted a high quality bag made in Italy, something that would, you know, last you a long time. And I see nothing wrong with that, but I think people, they get so riled up, you know, they become so, it's almost like cult, like, you know, people would just buy a certain brand or May's or Chanel or, you know, Bottega, whatever, you know, and for me, I think to each his own, you do what you like. And I do what I like when it comes to handbags, you know, I'm a mom of two and I wouldn't, Before I had kids, I would never even think about a crossbody bag. Like everything was like the Gucci with the bamboo handle. Everything was like, you know, uncomfortable to wear. It's a beautiful bag, but uncomfortable because it hurts your shoulder. But now everything is crossbody because I need my hands free with two kids. So I think over time, you know, your style and what you want and need kind of changes, you know. But for you, another article I wanted to bring up that you had written that I thought was so interesting, you talked about the six lessons you learned about life while collecting luxury handbags. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of those lessons and kind of how you came about those?
1: Yeah. So let's see. I know that one of them was to ask for what you want. And something I found is that going into collecting something... Especially something like a hand, like handbags is something that a lot of people deem to be very frivolous. A lot of people will say, like, oh, that's a waste of money. Like, you know, why spend all this money on a purse, you know, or multiple purses when you could, you know, put it towards something more practical or something like that, you know? And I think for me, I've gone on a journey of admitting to myself that it's okay to like things, to desire things that serve more function than just practicality you know maybe it's just because it makes me feel good so in the beginning i kind of had a hard time when i would try to justify it to myself of like you know why do i need a two thousand dollar handbag when this a three hundred dollar handbag does the same thing you know right but i did get to the point where it's like hey this is what i like and this is what i desire and there is nothing wrong with that and once i was able to just outright admit to my own desires and what I wanted in my life, how I wanted to live my life, how I wanted to spend my money. Um, mm-hmm. Once I was able to admit to that and just kind of go after it, then I saw all the amazing opportunities that came along with it. If it wasn't for me admitting my to my frivolous desires, I would have never became a contributing writer for Purse Blog. Yeah, <laughs> So mm-hmm. I would have never pursued that. There's also patience is a virtue it's cliche but it's true now even though I'm a writer for these kind of things these things are very high end I know that they're very pricey and even I have my limitations <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm not out here just buying bags willy-nilly like there are plenty of influencers that they have the means to do that they can you know just go on down to Neiman Marcus and you know crack their credit card <laughs> mm-hmm. or get them and for free or get them for free. Exactly. Right. You know, so I'm not necessarily in that position. I don't even live near a high-end store. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I can't just go about it in the same way. So I do have to budget for stuff. And I think maybe a lot of people think that I'm maybe I'm just getting kickbacks and stuff. But all my purses except for one were purchased with my own money. They were things that I had to save up money for for a long time. And then I had to do my research. I buy all my stuff. from pre-loved. So aside from the one bag that was given to me and the one I bought at my honeymoon, none of them were brand new. They were all pre-loved. <laughs> and this is after me doing, you know, sometimes up to a year or more of saving and researching on the particular specs that I wanted in the bag until I kind of came across the one that was both within my budget and within the specs that I wanted.
0: Oh, okay. Gotta be it's patient. It's interesting because sometimes <laughs> I feel like, you know, when you do wait and when you have patience, when you kind of... You research and you wait and you wait, you know, you kind of wait for that, that special moment for when you've saved and when you can buy the handbag that you want. It almost makes it feel better, right? I I don't know. It
1: does. It definitely does. It makes it a much bigger moment. It just, the feeling of when it comes in the mail is like, unlike any other. It's, you know, it's here, Mm -hmm. it's arrived. The thing that I've been wanting for so long, the thing you save for, it makes, you know, patience makes it that when you get it, it's all the more sweeter.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. So this podcast, as you know, is
1: called the Staple Piece Podcast. And
0: I always like to ask my guests what their top, let's say, one or two staple pieces are. And it doesn't have to be handbags. It can just be that one or two things that you wear every day or that you love that makes your heart skip a beat. What would you say yours are?
1: Handbags. Mine is definitely handbags. <laughs> okay. I mean, my but my one or two. So like I said, I do like to change my bags depending mm-hmm. on the season depending on the situation you know but my staple pieces hmm uh let's see i have probably my two favorite bags <laughs> or the two that kind of meant the m- the one that meant the most to me the one i lusted after for the longest and then the one that's the most practical i guess they're both designer bags uh my first one is i have a lady Dior. It is from the fall 2016 collection, I want to say. And it's a beautiful patent leather and it's like a gold to black gradient and it's got gold hardware. So that's wow. kind of my special occasion bag. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the one that I wanted for so long. It's the one that I used to doodle in my notebook at the other job. Mm-hmm. And then it's the one that like finally came to me, you know, uh, maybe I don't know, I manifested it or <laughs> whatever, but <laughs> And Um, that's that's, an
0: iconic bag for the listeners that don't know. Princess Diana was captured holding that and lots of royalty and celebrities. But that's a very iconic bag. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I love that bag. And it's my special occasion bag. I pretty much only wear it on my birthday or, you know, maybe a holiday party back when parties were happening before COVID, weddings, Mm -hmm. things like that. It's definitely my fancy occasion bag. And then the other one would be... My Saint Laurent sac du jour, so pretty much anyone who's looking for a Birkin on a budget budget in quotes or mm-hmm. whatever that means <laughs> is I would say go for the Saint Laurent Sac du jour in the sense that it's just the perfect everyday tote is mm-hmm. <laughs> it fits so much stuff, mine is solid black with a like a. Um, a nice bright blue interior. <laughs> so, Ooh. in some pretty good neutral colors or colors that match my wardrobe. And it just, it fits everything. It's mm-hmm. the perfect shape. It's easy to get into. It's,
0: I it can visualize better. that
1: one. That one has like the accordion
0: on the side, kind of. It's, it looks yes. kind of like the Birkin. Yeah.
1: Yes. If a Birkin was more minimalist and more modern. Right. But it's just a beautiful almost- bag. <laughs> I
0: almost like that one better. I can't believe I'm saying that because it, I think it has less hardware than the Birkin. Am I correct? It, does.
1: like, it yeah. doesn't have any hardware. It has right. like a, um, a clochette, like that little lock. It does come mm-hmm. with one that's kind of hidden in a little leather pouch on it. But other than that, it doesn't have any hardware. Also the insert. So I have the the small size, I think. in the small size is actually kind of their medium so it's mm-hmm. you know quite large, and what a lot of people don't know is there's an insert in the middle with a zipper, and that comes out. So it actually comes with a separate pouch that you can like carry as a clutch. Oh,
0: love that! Oh, yeah, that's good to know. Very cool. I didn't know that. It's just um, practical. <laughs> I know exactly what bag you're talking about, and yes, that is a very iconic. Iconic bag. I love that bag. And I also ask all my guests who their style icon is. And maybe for you, who you're, who that person is that just has all the right bags who like, I don't know, just, it doesn't even have to be that person, just someone who you think is super stylish, who always looks good.
1: It's hard to say, maybe it's weird, but I don't have a style icon. <laughs> okay. That's an so answer. <laughs> I think maybe because personally i I dress for comfort first, even though I do love the high end. I just really don't like anything that's too busy, so mm-hmm. I dress for comfort and I dress to be a little bit more low key and I take the quality of my materials very seriously more than I do something that's ultra trendy or something that's you know some a very defining piece of a certain aesthetic, so I focus more on just you know. Solid colored tops in real cotton, you know, or cashmere or linen or what have you with maybe an asymmetrical neckline if I wanted it to be a little bit more fancy. So I think when I see celebrities or just extremely stylish women or, you know, people in pop culture, there are a lot of styles that I can appreciate. And, you know, it's nice to look at, but it's never something that I could see myself wearing just because as pretty as it is, I know that I'm going to be like tugging at my clothes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know within 10 minutes of leaving the house. So I, don't I know what I you mean. I have a style icon. Okay. I mean,
0: it's so funny. I wore a wool sweater the other day when it got cold in LA and I just... I was like itching all over the place. Like I couldn't even handle it. But I agree. I mean, I think the older I get too, it's quality over quantity. You want kind of better items that you don't have so much of, but that are kind of more minimalist. And then you add that edgy handbag or that timeless handbag and a great pair of shoes and you're good to go,
1: you know? Exactly. Exactly. I... I definitely prefer to focus on my accessories than I do my actual clothing. Also because I work from home. So I don't really know (laughs) where I would be wearing a lot of these, these clothes I see in magazines, you know, so yeah, I definitely lean more towards having higher quality and more staple accessories, such as handbags, jewelry, things like that than I do clothing. So,
0: Yeah. And let's be honest, we're living in a pandemic still. So we all have, we've all switched out our lounge wear and we've all got cute little sweat lounge suits now. So, um, I think those are going to last a while (laughs) for many of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. So what's next for you? Where can our listeners find your writing? Will you be doing, do you have anything fun coming up? Tell us a little bit about what you're working on that you can say.
1: Um, so they can always find me on purse blog. I'll continue to be there for as long as possible. And if they're just kind of checking in to see what's up with me or kind of what's happening in the moment, they can always, I always suggest people to go to my Instagram because I use it more than any other social media. So okay. it's alaha Writes, just A-L-E-J-A period Writes all lowercase. And usually that's where you'll find the most updates of anything that I'm doing.
0: That's it for our show today. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to check out the Staple Peace podcast on social media. And please rate, review, and subscribe. See you next time.